First uh, Bershus, Rav Shechter Shlita. It's always a special privilege to be able to speak together with Rav Shechter. First of all, I get to come and hear him speak before I before I speak, and just um, to share the podium is a big skus. Dershu Hashem bihimatzo, kirau bioso karov. Of course, these are the psukim that we're very familiar with um, in the Haftorah for every Yom Tzom. Gemara Rosh Hashanah and Dafid Ches tells us that this refers specifically to Aseret Hayamim, the ten days Shebein Rosh Hashanah liyom Kippurim. The special access, the added access to the Rabbonu Shalom during this period, period which is charged, in which uh, much is at stake, provides us with special opportunities as individuals to accomplish the mitzvah of tshuva. The environment is conducive to seek self-improvement, to encourage or stimulate introspection through the general vidui that takes place already in the slichos before Rosh Hashanah, but also throughout the week of Aser Simei Hashamnu, Bagadnu, etc. But of course, giving way to the more specific Vidui of Yom Kippur, al which focuses on individual Averos, still very wide-ranging, but more specific. Since it's Aseros Hayamim Shebein Rosh Hashanah Liyom Kippurim, apparently there's an aspect in these ten days of both Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which means that we already have to make the transition from Yerhure Tshuva and from a more general orientation of self assessment, etc., and introspection, to being more specific, to focusing on specific deficiencies and flaws. Anticipating Yom Kippur, even in the midst of Aseris Tshuva, provides an added dimension, not only for the Yachid, but for the Tzibor. As the Rambam explains in Parag Beis, Sochus Tshuva Halacha Zayin, that Yom Kippurim is Kate's Slicho Mechila, Li Yisrael, Li Yachid, the Rambam notes the fact that the vidui um, that we say on Yom Kippur for the individual is after Shemun Esrei, before Elokai Nitzar, but basically after the brachos of Shemun Esrei. But for the Tzibor, it's integrated inside Shemun Esrei itself, which is the Rambam's way of accenting that the Tzibor has a special dimension of tshuva, one which even justifies integrating it within the Shemun Esrei itself. In Adomet Tshuvas Hayachid to Tshuvas Hatzibor, both in terms of the special opportunities that that provides, which the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah also makes reference to, but also it implies that during this period of Aserasimei Tshuva, and especially culminating in Yom Kippur, there is Tshuva of the Tzibor, the total community, the culture in which you live, the halachic culture in which you live, is obligated to reassess its effectiveness, etc. The fact that it is Kate's Zman Slicho Mechila Liyachid Ulitzibor is important as well. By this, the Rambam indicates that if we let the opportunity go by, it's the Kate's, which means we have to take advantage of it, we have to capitalize on it. If we squander the opportunity, then that may lead to dire consequences. In other words, the opportunity is one which has to be seized. Sefer Chinuch explains that if a person doesn't do tshuva on Yom Kippur, he violates the assay of tshuva. The mitzvah of tshuva applies all year round, but neglecting it at the time of Yom Kippur 
engenders a violation of an Isra And it's noteworthy that the violation isn't a Yom Kippur violation, it's a Hilchas Tshuva violation. The Sefer Chinuch says this not in the context of his mitzvah on Yom Kippur, but his mitzvah of tshuva. In other words, because from a tshuva point of view, this is a rare and singular opportunity, ignoring that opportunity almost as a rejection, a categorical rejection of the concept of tshuva. And therefore from a tshuva point of view, the opportunity of Yom Kippur is critical. The Rambam speaks about tshuva on Yom Kippur as a chiyuv. It's the only time that he speaks about an obligation to do tshuva as opposed to what he normally speaks of, which is the obligation to say vidui in the context of tshuva. And again, it's striking, the Ramam that I just mentioned, Perik Beis Halacha Zayin, that this halacha appears in Hukhas tshuva, not in Hukhas Shvisas Asar. Again, like the chinuch, the Ramam is telling us that Yom Kippur and Aserosimei tshuva that precedes it, which already anticipates the dimensions of tshuva, already has a special status from a pure Hilchus Tshuva perspective, quite separate from the Chiyuvim of Yom Kippur. And if this is the case, then it's a period in which, of course, we need to focus on specific transgressions, al but because the period is defined by a calendar milestone, it's not a particular Avera that I did that engenders the obligation of extra tshuva or the opportunity of extra tshuva. It's the fact that it's Rosh Hashanah leading into Yom Kippurim. It's the Yom and the Kedushas Yom of Yom Kippur that generates this obligation. So clearly, beyond the specific transgressions and deficiencies I need to analyze, there needs to be a broader um, examination of priorities and of values. And from this point of view, the Tzibor um, constitutes um, a unique vehicle so we can not only assess as individuals how we are faring in our Avodah Hashem, but as a community as well. The Ramam in Perik Zayin, Tshuva Halacha Gimel, hopefully I'll get back to it later as well, explains that Tshuva focuses not only on transgressions, but on attitudes. The Ramam says that the Tshuva on Machshavos, on values, is actually more difficult to accomplish in most cases than the Tshuva on individual transgressions. And one could suggest that particularly the Tshuva of Yom Kippur focuses on the Tshuva of attitudes in addition to specific transgressions. Tonight, I'd like to zero in on one particular group of issues in particular. How do we relate, relate to rumors, innuendos, the humiliation of our neighbor, I don't mean literally our neighbor, any member of Klal Yisrael, particularly to the character assassination of prominent people, communal leaders, in some cases, Tamide Chachamim. This phenomenon is a particularly challenging one to address in the modern world. Rav Shefter spoke before about the influences of society on the application of halacha, not on the concepts and principles, but on how to apply them more precisely. The culture in which we live is one, unfortunately, which promotes gossip eagerly, enthusiastically. The more salacious or scandalous the speculation, the greater the interest. The increasingly lower standards of journalism, yellow journalism used to be called, but it's almost indistinguishable now, as a norm, reflects this idea. 
the negative and undignified tone of the president's political campaign, which seems to have reached new lows, is a case in point. As I was driving here listening to the radio, so the talk of the day is you know, how each campaign you know, was underhanded in portraying both the views and the character um, of the other. Uh, I recall some years ago, 1968, when there was a uh, race between um, Richard Nixon and Hubert Humphrey. Um, it was the first uh, election that at least I had any uh, interest or um, active interest at least. Um, I remember at the time reading, I used to read, um, there was a book that came out after each presidential campaign, I think it was by Theodore White, um, The Making of the President. And I remember at the time being interested in that campaign, it was the first time I did, and reading the book afterwards to see the, or the analysis, you know, the mistakes, the different uh, insights into character, etc. And, and it really struck me, there was a story there about Hubert Humphrey, who uh, apparently was given some information about Richard Nixon at the eve of the election, um, something scandalous, and in light of uh, Richard Nixon's uh, you know, later uh, escapades, or the ones that came to light, um, undoubtedly there, there must have been the Eshtvarim Bego as well. And he was handed this information, and it was a very close election. I think at the time it may have been the closest election in American history. Um, he, could have used this he could have used this information, and he refused to do it. Hubert Humphrey was known to be an extremely um, sensitive and decent person. He was also an OAV Israel. And uh, just occurred to me that, you know, that could not have happened in the last two decades uh, of politics in America. Even Nixon's standards were exemplary compared to the explicit rhetoric, never mind the innuendo, that is now politically and socially acceptable. It's no longer scandalous to intentionally or transparently even mislead with misinformation. You see the commercials of the various candidates, they intentionally, they don't make any bones about it. I say it's transparent, take statements out of context, both sides. Um, equally um, guilty of this. Increased competition, the instant impact of the media, the global reach of the internet, all these are factors that have contributed to this uh, greater sense of competition, unfortunately a negative competition, um, and has contributed to the lowering of standards. And as Rosh Schechter mentioned before, um, Jews live often in connection with non-Jewish societies, and instead of always adopting the best from those societies, we're also influenced, and in some cases, um, we seem to embrace the worst in those societies. This idea of yellow journalism, um, of innuendo, uh, this relish for it, has certainly filtered into the Jewish community and even into the Orthodox community, as witnessed by simply reading publications. Jewish journalism is not much more dignified than its secular counterpart. The relish in exposing apparent deficiencies or inadequacies, especially scandals, uh, especially in communal and spiritual leaders, is particularly disturbing and divisive phenomenon. People seem particularly to rebel in the misfortune or in the embarrassment of halakhic leaders whose ideology challenges or offends them, instead of simply disagreeing, um, but respecting or relating with reverence 
Um, they take a kind of malicious enjoyment in the public predicament um, of others. Yeah, the phrase schadenfreude has become uh, a very commonly used one. People who get a certain delight in particular when they see the downfall of someone or the clay feet of someone um, who they strongly ideologically oppose. These phenomena are extremely uh, disturbing and I think they need to be confronted by the halakhic community and uh, no better time than um, in advance of Yom Kippurim because, as I said before, it's a communal issue which affects us as individuals but also as a community. Let me briefly qualify or balance at least my remarks. I'm not suggesting the whitewashing of behavior of communal or even halachic leaders chas v'shalom. Chazal themselves and the halacha holds great men to a higher standard. The Gemara in the end of Yoma, which was Shechter quoted several times, The conclusion of the Rambam in Hilchas Yisodia Torah, Parakei, a chapter which begins, Kol Beis Yisrael Metsuvim Al Kiddush Hashem, which applies to every individual, the idea of Yehoreg Val Yavor for the Gimel Eros, but which culminates with that Gemara in Yuma, and the Rambam explains, based on that Gemara, that the more challenging Kiddush Hashem is the Kiddush Hashem of Shehei Diburo Nachas Imabrios and paying his bills on time and relating in a manner of Derecheretz, also something Rosh Hashem spoke about, to other people and having the wisdom to know when to extend that Derecheretz and how to extend that Derecheretz. That's the special providence and special responsibility of Tamidi Chachamim. And if a Talmud Chacham doesn't meet that challenge and behaves simply as any other um, individual following the norms of halacha, not even violating wood, but he would be considered deficient or flawed as a Talmud Chacham. Rosh Hashanah quoted the Gemara before in Sukkah, We certainly recognize this. We know both in Tanakh and course in the Talmud and in the aftermath of the Talmud um, no one is immune to sin the only infallible being is the Rabboni Shalom and Tamir Chachamim's great responsibility and corresponding accountability is of course um, a sine qua non, something that is accepted there are circumstances when public censure and a role for even journalists in spotlighting or highlighting problems is crucial in, in making clear the needs and deficiencies of the Jewish community. In some cases, as a last resort, but then as an important role. is followed in the Torah by In one respect, to equate the two, as the Rambam explains in Hechos Rachil Biamecha is the equivalent of literally destroying a person's character. Assassination is destroying a person in every sense. Balbim Plechadeo Barabim is Shofech Damim. But some of the Mepharshim also note that that relationship implies that sometimes um, there are exceptions to Loselech Rachil. It's not considered Loselech Rachil in the context of Losamod Aldam Reyecha. To protect innocence, to facilitate important reforms, some of the abuse issues of recent years are good examples of this. But while there's a role for public exposure in some cases, mostly we 
uh, tend to violate the strictures and norms that should apply when it comes to journalism. And we need to be exceptionally careful to safeguard reputations, privacy, dignity, tsnios, against gratuitous speculation and public interest. Certainly it can be said that the halachic perspective on the public's right or interest to know is far more complex and is contingent upon weighing various halachic principles. It's not um, a journalistic um, doctrine. It's not comparable to the journalistic doctrine that is accepted in the, in the secular world. On one level, abuses of this kind involve several basic and extremely serious halachic violations, some of which are limited to the instigators or the proliferators, but others which extend also to those who enable the process or even those who just serve as a willing, in some cases, willing and passive audience. Balban Chaveru Berabim is Shofech Damim. According to Rabbi Yonah, this isn't just an exaggerated phrase, but is taken almost literally like an Abizrayu of Shvichos Damim. The Rambam doesn't go that far, but he does use very strong language in describing Malbim Pech Kaveru Berabim and Holech Rachil Biamecha. The Rambam, for example, when he talks about uh, this issue in Perik Zion, Deos, the entire Perik Zion of Hilchos Deos, the last, the culminating chapter of Hilchos Deos is really dedicated to Rechilus and Lashon Hara and Nokeim and Noter. Hamiragel Chavera over Belosa Seishenem Elotelech Rachil Biamecha Biafa Bishen Loken Al Davarzeh Avon Gadolhu Vegoreim Laharog Nefesh Rabos Yisrael. Very strong words from the Rambam drawing on Chazal. Lekach Nismaklovs, what I referred to before, Losamod Adam Riacha. And then the Rambam continues, he talks about Lashon Hara, and the next, uh, or two halachos later in Halacha Gimel, Omra Chachamim Gimel Averus Nifraim in Adam Naolam, Ve'elo Chelak Olam Abba, Avaris Kachavim Gileyarayos Shvichus Damim, Ve'lashon Hara Keneged Kulam. Again, this is not, uh, you know, um, this is not simply a Musar Shmuz, this is the Rambam writing in the Sefer Halacha. Um, and then he concludes even worse than the proliferator or the instigator is the person who sits by passively accepts it and uncritically believes it. Chazal point out that this violates an Easter in the Torah, Losi Sashem Ashav, Smag quotes this in his Labin, the Rambam makes reference to it as well, in Hilcha Sanhedrin, Perek Chapal of Halachazayin, he mentions that also the Dayan Lishmoa Dibre Echod Mi Balidinim Kodim Shiyav Chavero, based on the Pasuk Losi Sashem Ashav, and he adds, even though it's not its context, which makes it even more significant, the Mechabaloshan Hara has this Iser um, as well. When the Ramam speaks about Lashon Hara, again, harsh words, you can't live in that kind of community. So on one level, it's simply the Isurim themselves 
that are extremely severe that we historically connect to Yitzias Mitzrayim in the case of Yosef to the story of the Midbar um, and many other the Chorban um, etc. But even more than that the Rambam considers Lashon Hara and Malbim Pnei Chaveo Barabim to be in the category of Dvarim Shemotzim as Adam in Olam. The Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva Peregimel counts Lashon Hara Malbim Chaveo Barabim together with Minim and Apikarsim and Kofrim and other really severe categories as people She'ein Lahem Chelek Le'olam Haba. In Hilchos Tshuva Peregdalid he counts Malbin Pnei Chavero, again, or Lashon Hara, among the Dvarim Hamaakvin Esachuva. As we mentioned, even the Makable Lashon Hara, which means possibly just hearing, there's a debate in the Postkin, the Chaim speaks about this in the Shmir Salashon, either hearing or at minimum, if not hearing, at least believing, uncritically believing, um, seems to be worse in some respects than even instigating. This, of course, raises important questions. How can this be? It should also be noted, as before, just to balance out the brief discussion, that there are exceptions to what appear to be Lashon Hara, similar and parallel to the exceptions that I meant, mentioned before with respect to journalism and exposing um, things to the public. When there is need to know, when protection is involved, Whatever the case may be, whether it's monetary protection, certain protection that has to do with um, areas that are even more important than monetary, the fashos, and the fashos in more than one sense. And a subtle distinction is drawn in the halachos of Lashon Hara between accepting uncritically what you're not allowed to do, on the one hand, and at the same time being guarded and wary. If one hears things, obviously one has to be intelligent and know that uh, one should be on the lookout. There's a very fine and subtle line between those two things in the world of halacha. But it's important to realize that what is at stake here is not a trivial matter at all. People's reputation, their keser shemtov, which is ola okulam, aside from their mental health, in some cases their parnasa, and more importantly, getting back to their mental health, their self-image, which of course also is affected by their image in the eyes of people that they care about. Gratuitous, unfounded speculation, in addition, sows communal dissension, especially when it focuses on particular leaders, halachic leaders, their shortcomings in an irresponsible way, because in the end that's a proxy to undermining and negating and attacking a whole group and a whole ideology. We just finished um, dealing with the mitzvah of Shemitah's Ksafim, which underscores the idea of Achva. Every Jew is essentially a brother. Every Jew is a family member. That's why I'm obligated to give every Jew the opportunity to begin anew, in terms of his um, financial stability, um, every seven years. An extraordinary chesed. This idea that all of Kal Yisrael constitutes a single family um, makes it clear that relating to the humiliation of any member of the family, rumors, innuendo, um, one should practice the same kind of zealous protective instinct that one would in protecting a member of one's nuclear family. In the time that I have left, which is not very uh, much, let me briefly highlight the challenge and spiritual ambition of, I think, Halakha's approach 
to this issue by focusing actually on the more subtle halachos, which are nonetheless very consequential. We all know the basic halachos of Lashon Hara and Rechilos, and they're codified in the Rambam, and especially we owe great debt to the Chavetz Chaim by to spend so much mental energy culling all the Makoros, all the Gemaras, all the Rishonim uh, which speak about these topics. But there are some aspects of the issue that are a little bit less well-known and seem to be less um, weighty in terms of being an Isra Chamor. The Rambam calls them Kalos in some cases. But nonetheless, um, understanding them well will contribute to our appreciation of the Halacha's posture on this topic. Let me mention two of them which are particularly relevant to tshuva. Number one, the obligation to be done as kol ha'adam lekafskos. This, of course, uh, comes from the Mishnah in Masechet Avos, Perak Aleph, Mishnah Vav, where the Mishnah tells us, I have it here somewhere, Mishnah uh, quotes the position of Rabbi Yeshua ben Prachia and Nitzai Ha'arbeili, Kiblamem Yeshua ben Prachia, Asei lecharav, Knei lechachaber, Hevedonis kol ha'adam lekafskos. And of course the phrase kol ha'adam, which we're also familiar with some other contexts, especially Sizek kol ha'adam, the final words of Koheles, kol ha'adam lekafskos is very intriguing. The Rambam and Pirsh Mishnayis and Avos explains that um, this is a very crucial idea with important practical consequences. The Rambam says it has basically three applications. Number one, for Benonim. If you don't know somebody's uh, track record one way or another, what is obligated to give him the benefit of the doubt? To do otherwise would be a violation of Hevedanus Kaladam Lekapskus, which the Rambam links to Betzedek Tishpot Amisecha. The Raman Hukh Sanhedrin, Perak Chav Gimel, um, Halacha Yud, explains, L'olam yu balei dinam lefanecha kirashoyim, hubecheska shekalecha meim toin sheker, v'don lefima shetira min advarim, hukashi yiftru milfanecha yu beinecha ketzadikim, kishu kibla leim asadin. And then he concludes, v'don kalecha meim lekapskus. In Sefer Mitzvot, Kufayin Zayin, Asei Kufayin Zayin, he explains B'Tzedek Tishbar HaMisecha in quite different terms. And then in the end he says, B'yesh ba'od sh'roi la'udun eschavero l'kapskos, v'lo yefarish masav u'dvarav elo l'tov b'chesed. The Rambam in Pirsham Shnayis and Avos explains, for that reason, that if a person doesn't have a track record, he has a cheskas kashros. And therefore, one should give him the benefit of the doubt. Not to do so would be a violation of B'tzedek Tishpor HaMisecha, which means, in another context, to judge righteously, justly, not to be swayed. It's fascinating that that's the makar for being done with hatzkus, for giving benefit of the doubt, when on the surface the Pasuk is really speaking about you know, uh, operating according to the strict din and not being swayed one way or another. It's the halacha's way of saying that the benefit of the doubt is something that every Jew is entitled to, all things being equal. That's part of his mishpat, that's part of his din, the assumption that his intentions are good, that um, his behavior um, is a constructive one. But it goes further than that. The Ram goes on to explain that when it comes to tzaddikim, tamir chachamim, people who have a good track record, it means even more than that. It means that even if the evidence is extremely damaging, the innuendo or the uh, rumor appears to be substantiated, 
as long as there's a possible explanation, a plausible, uh, albeit a contorted or distant explanation, one is obligated to consider that possibility and one is prohibited to assume the worst, even though the evidence itself points in that direction. It's fascinating that the Rama then goes on to explain that the same is true for the Russia in the opposite direction. The Russia's track record dictates that even when it appears that he's involved in constructive or righteous behavior, we should presume that it's part of some subterfuge and that really um, he's motivated by um, some improper value. What is the basis then of Hevedanus Kala Adam Lekavskos for the Rambam? Perhaps it's rooted in the concept of Kala Adam. What the Rambam is telling us, at least with regard to the Tzaddik and the Rasha, is that you have to judge individual actions and a particular expose, something has come out, a person says something or does something, you know, and uh, this has become public knowledge, it's perceived in a certain light. You have to assess that against the totality of that person's track record, history, and personality. And from that point of view, it's probably inconceivable that there aren't mitigating circumstances. Either he didn't do what you thought he did, or, as the Mepharshim also explained, the Miri in particular in the Chibra Tshuva, if he did, he's already done Tshuva. In other words, the important thing is not to isolate circumstances or episodes, but to look to the total personality. That is a very, very crucial idea. The Rambam in Parakeya Chosdeos links have they done as Kaladam the Kavschus to the behavior of a Talmud Chacham. Rambam explains that second, see if I can find it. Um, Talmud Chacham loyeit soek the soveach b'shas diburo kebehemos v'chayos loyag biyek kola biyoser el diburo benachas emalbrios. And then he adds, It's very striking, because the Raman believes that doesn't only apply to a Tamil Chacham. We know that from the fact that he, his explanation in Pirish Mishnayis and in Sefer Mitzvos and in Sanhedrin. But the Rambam, again, if you put them all together, is telling us is that when it comes to giving other people the benefit of the doubt, every individual has to cultivate the attitude of a Talmud Chacham. The greatness of a Talmud Chacham is precisely in his perspective, in his capacity not to narrowly interpret the episode, but to look to the total picture. That's the natural... Um, response of the Talmud Chacham who has this larger perspective and we have to cultivate this with respect to every Jew um, that's our obligation when it comes to Hevedanus Kala Adam Lekavskos the flip side of Hevedanus Kala Adam Lekavskos is Choshed Bekshirim Loke Begufam it's fascinating that the Rambam counts that in Ochos Tshuva as one of the Dvarim Hama'ak Minas Ram 
he quotes, uh, he counts Arbavi Esrim's Varma Ma'akbinus Hachuva, and um, among them, he quotes, he, ca- he counts, Mehen Chamisha Dvarim Ha'osal Son Enches Kasal Ashuv Mehen, Lefi, Shehem Dvarim Kalim Be'enei Rova Adam, Benim Sechotev, Hu Yidamesh Ein Zechet Be'elohein. There are certain things that people do that is under their radar screen, under their spiritual radar screen, because they basically don't consider it to be. Um, a grave violation. It's trivial um, to them. And therefore they won't do tshuva. That's what the Ramam says, at least in the beginning. Among these are Hamiskabe Bekalon Chabero, which I want to speak of in a minute. And the other one is Achoshud Bekshayrim. What is Choshud Bekshayrim? Omer Belibo She'enu Chait Shehu Omer Masas Shehu Omer Masisilo V'chiyesham El Achashad Shema Asa So I'm not saying he did it. I'm only saying, speculating, he might have done it. But then the Ramam explains, Very interesting formulation. The problem of Choshe B'Kshayrim, which is why it's Loka B'Gufam, is that he takes this individual and he transforms him into a suspected Balavera. It's not the Chashash alone that's the problem. It's the fact that he relates to this person as a different kind of personality. According to the Rambam, that is one of the Dvarim Hama'akvin Es Achuva. The Meirian is Chibur Achuva um, points to this and the previous Rambam, Miskabed Baklon Chavero, which I want to speak of in just a minute, and he's very bothered by the Rambam's um, formulation. The Rambam seems to say that the reason that these are Ma'akvin and Sachuva is because since they're under his spiritual radar screen, because he considers them to be Kalos, so he won't uh, address them, he won't confront them, and he won't do Tshuva, and therefore Tshuva um, is going to be lacking. So, but it, the Makoros sound like it's much more than that. And then the Miri goes on to explain that in his opinion, the problem of Chosheid Bikshir in Loka Begufam is that it reflects a deep spiritual malady which is incompatible with the very concept of tshuva. Again, he doesn't exactly say it this way, but this is basically what he's getting at in the two or three pages where he has this discussion. What he's basically saying is, if a person is choshed b'kshayrim, then it reflects a certain self-centered orientation. It's almost like it's easy for him to be choshed his neighbor. By being choshed his neighbor, that reflects a certain axarius, which is incompatible with tshuva. It reflects a certain arrogance, because in a way, he's judging that person as if, you know, he is superior. Um, he's not taking the perspective of kol adam, and he's not taking the perspective of adshe magia bimakomo. And therefore, says the Miri, it's ma'ake v'sachuva. Tshuva is based on a certain perspective, a certain humility, a certain uh, ability to be self-critical. It's also based on a certain posture of idealism, which I'll discuss in just a minute. And the Choshe B'Kshayrim is a cynical person, a self-centered person, a person who um, essentially cannot countenance um, competition from anyone else, and therefore he's all too eager to revel in someone else's misfortune, which of course leads into the previous idea of the Rambam. The Rambam speaks in several places about being miskabed b'kalon chavero. 
He speaks about it in Hilchos Deos, Perik Vav Halacha Gimel, as being a cornerstone of the principle of the Ahavta L'Reacha Kamocha. Mitzvah kal adam leo vis kal echad v'echad m'yisrael kigufo shenemar v'yahavta l'reachad kamocha. L'fikach tzorach l'sapar b'shvacha v'lochus al-mamono kasha ruchos al-maman atzmo v'rotsu b'chod atzmo and of course the Mishnah and Avos about being careful b'kvod chavero k'b'shalo is part of this v'yahavta l'reachad kamocha. And then he says v'hamiskabed b'kalon chavero ain lo chelek li'olam haba. A very strong phrase. If a person is self-aggrandizing, his kavod is at the expense of, or in comparison with, as we'll soon see, chabero, then ein lo chelek li'olam abba. The Rambam repeats this halacha in Paragimel, Hilchus Tshuva, um, Halacha Yedalid. Again, he has several categories of people who at ein lo chelek li'olam abba. When it comes to Rechilos and Lashon Hara, that he compares with the Apikaris and the Min and so on, for understandable reasons, reasons that we spoke of before. But when it comes to Miskabi Beklon Chavero, he has a different category. He says, And then he says, And he says, Calling somebody by a name that he doesn't appreciate, etc. Just the, the neighbors in the list are, are fascinating. Of course, what's interesting about this is, on the one hand, the Rambam says these things don't have chelak, these categories don't have chelak even though he's called them kalos, relative to the previous one, and has explained that the problem with them is being ragil, kedaili israchek, it's very strange. Are these categorical isurim which would explain why Elam Chelek Leolam Or are they, in fact, more trivial, um, less weighty offenses? Again, in Peregdalad Halacha Yedalad, when the Ramam explains the Dvarim HaMa'akim in Esachuva, again, the 24, so the Ramam explains that in Halacha Dalad, before Achoshed B'Kshirim, Hamiskabed B'Klon Chavera Omer Belibo She'eno Chata Lutfi She'en Chavera Omed Sham V'lo Higilo Boshes The fellow doesn't know that he is either delighting or aggrandizing in the comparison V'lo Bisho He doesn't He's not embarrassed Ela Erech Masa V'atovim V'chachmaso L'mul Maisa Chavera O Chachmaso K'day Shigira Mechlolo Shehu Mechubad V'chavera Bazui It's just that the way he's projecting himself and his friend, the relative comparison makes him look good. And therefore, that is the problem. He doesn't consider that to be a terrible chet. And as such, it's dvarim ha'ma'akim sachuva. Again, the Miri in the Chibor says, that would explain why it's under the radar screen, but is that really dvarim ha'ma'akim sachuva? It sounds like, it's not just tshuva on this particular chet, it sounds like if you have this attitude in general, this is going to impede, it's going to be an obstacle to the general process of tshuva. The Mepharshim asks a different question. Where did the Rambam get this halacha that it's Eilam Chelek Lolam Abba for Miskabed Beklon Chavero? 
Um, Rabbi Kveger points out that it's really Yerushalmi and Chagiga, but the Kesef Mishnah asks, where do we get this halacha from? He says, there is a Gemara in Megillah, Daf Chavkes, that speaks about Miskabe, B'kon Chavero. Rabbi Lechunya ben Akano was asked, B'meharach Yamim, and one of the things that he said was, I was never Miskabe, B'kon Chavero. But that's a whole different idea. It's not relative, um, his relative aggrandizement. There it's a case where he, you know, if you're going to do something that you don't particularly want to do, and someone else does it for you, should you be happy? Uh, happy um, that you're saved this um, you know, humiliating experience at his expense. And in that case, actually, the other fellow volunteered as well. So the Kassamisha says, I really don't know where the Rambam gets this idea of Eimam Chelek But in keeping with the Chibar Tshuva, the Meiri's explanation, which he also gives to Miskabit B'Kon Chavero, I think again that the idea is what the Rambam's trying to say is it's not the Maisavera of being Miskabit B'Kon Chavero. That's why he uses the expression Rogil and Kal and Kedailis, Rachek. Again, it's the attitude of Miskabid B'Klon Chavero which is an obstacle to the very concept and idea of Tshuva. It means that I glory in someone else's humiliation. It means that my standard of Avodah Hashem is not based on my ambition right, to accomplish all that I can accomplish, but rather it's relativist it's to be better than him and to be perceived not by the Rabboni Shalom but by my neighbor as being superior to my other neighbor. I glory and I revel in his misfortune even if I have nothing against him per se but because that's, that's my mechanism of, of achieving that's my mechanism of accomplishing. And that is an obstacle to the very idea of tshuva. Yerushalmi says in Makos that they asked Chachma, you know, what do you think about Tshuva? And the response was, Tshuva is simply an impossibility. It's illogical. Logically, if a man is Chote, he should be punished. Quid pro quo, din. The idea of Tshuva is precisely built on the concept that man can transcend quid pro quo, din. And that requires that a person have a sense of transcendence. That requires that a person not only be self-centered and self-interested, but be able to be mevatel ritzono l'ritzono mako. The kind of tshuva that can accomplish the tshuva shalava of taking zdonos and making them into zechuyos can never be accomplished by someone who has a relativist standard or a self-centered approach. The Rambam, it's too late to read now, but let me just conclude with this. The Rambam in Hukos Tshuva, when he talks about uh, Rosh Hashanah, so he explains that there is this weighing of Zchuyos and Chovos, and um, those people who come out Benonim, so they have until Yom Kippur in order to accomplish what they need to accomplish. And what is that? The Ramam says, it is tshuva. But then, the two halachos later, when the Rambam describes Roshana and Aser Tshuva, he says, Aser Tshuva is a particularly um, critical time, and in that time, one should be getting up early to say slichos, bimarbe betachnunim, and one should give tzedakah harbe kefikocho. Somebody at Chornim asked the question, this seems to be a stira of the Rambam. The Rambam seemed to say that until Rosh Hashanah, you're judged by your schuyos. 
as opposed to your chovos. And the question is whether you're a Benoni or you're a Tzaddik or you're a Rasha. But once you hit Rosh Hashanah and you're a Benoni, then the only thing that works in the Aserah Simei Tshuva is no longer racking up skuyos, it's actually Tshuva. Tshuva itself is required. If Tshuva is required, so where, where do we get Masim, Tovim, and especially Tzedakah? However, if you look at the Rambam, in Perik Beis, Hilchos Tshuva, Halacha Dalid, the Ram explains that Midarki Atshuva Lios Hashov Tzarek Tamid Ofnei Hashem Bebechi Ubetachnunim Veoset Tzedaka Kefikocho. The Ramah mentions in the context not of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur getting a good judgment or a bad one, simply what is Darki Atshuva, and included is Tzedaka. Which means that when the Rambam explains that you do tzedakah on a tshuva, that's not a contradiction to his previous statement that all you can do is tshuva. Tzedakah is a mechanism of tshuva. The, ones, the Rav once suggested that we say tefillah, tshuva, tzedakah, mavirin, esra, hagzera. But what we really mean is, I think based on this Rambam, that tefillah and tzedakah are also mechanisms, also vehicles to tshuva. In what sense is tzedakah a vehicle to tshuva? The answer is because tzedakah demands that a person look at the world in an unselfish and in a non-self-centered way. Tzedakah also establishes that all Jews are a member of the same nuclear family. The skus of the tzibor and this sense of empathy, one Jew to another, is a critical component in developing the kind of amuna and the kind of idealism which allows for tshuva to exist, to answer the Chachma's response in the Yerushalmi and Makos. Tzedakah, as the Sefer HaChinuch explains, is not merely about financial support. That's just an application. The real idea of tzedakah is generosity of spirit and empathy. And that sense, again, of having a wider perspective that transcends self-interest. So that tzedakah is a crucial component in tshuva. And if that's the case, then we can appreciate that miskabed beklon chavero, just as a person who is chosheid bechaveros loke begufam, is an obstacle to tshuva. Because the self-centeredness, the relativist, and the almost cynical um, uh, posture that is implied by Miskabed Beklon Chavero and by Choshe Bikshirim is one which impedes the very concept of Tshuva itself. In this sense, we can more fully appreciate why it is that the Rambam in Perik Zion, Halacha Gimel, when he talks about the difficulty but the necessity of tshuva applying not only to deeds and transgressions but to attitudes among the difficult attitudes that he lists that are an impediment to spiritual growth is tacharut, competition. Of course we believe in the idea of competition when you know, properly applied. Kinasofim tarbachachma. But the tacharut of choshed b'ksheir and loka begufam of reveling in someone else's misfortune, not according them have you done eskaladim lekapschus, or measuring your own spiritual progress, miskabed beklon chavero. That's the kind of tacharut 
which is attitudinally antithetical to growth in tshuva. And therefore, as we move towards Yom Kippur, it's important that we revisit the idea that tshuva, tefillah, and tzedakah are indeed mavirin esroa hagzera. May we both as individuals and as a community confront, meet these challenges so that all of us will merit a year of Shnas Chaim Thank you.